we were talking about the difference between an organic understanding of prayer and of God um, and a mechanical view. Mm. So the language that we're using today is a garden and a formula. Um, although earlier this week we were singing, life is a garden, not, not a, highway, a highway. Life's <laughs> not a highway, it's a garden. That's what we're going Something like yeah. that. Yep. Um, <laughs> but formula is a little bit more helpful here because <laughs> with formulas, there is a set outcome. Um, and when the outcome doesn't make sense, that's when we run into some problems. Right. Right. Um, formulas, I'm definitely someone who likes to know what to expect. I'm sure that we all are in some way. So when this fails and things don't come to be, when you look to God for a particular result and that doesn't happen, there's not a whole lot of room in formulas for uncertainty or disappointment and an understanding of God that still stands. Man, and churches love formulas, don't mm -hmm. they? I wonder if we did a show of hands with people who are here how many of you, if you've been to uh, another church before, other than our church, have you ever been given a formula for like how something is going to play out? If you do this, this will happen. Show of hands. How many have been told that something like that at a church before? Okay. Yep. 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 Pretty much everybody in the room. So. Or we were even talking about how we take something in scripture and then turn it into like an inventory or oh, yeah. a, a quiz. Um, yeah, I'm oh sure yeah, like, a, like sp spiritual gifts, spiritual right? Yeah. Gifts. yeah. I'm sure there's some BuzzFeed quizzes out there of like which Find soil out. are you, which, which we'll get to later. <laughs> which soil are you? Okay. So, something that's a little bit more helpful than this understanding of God that's um, mechanical or formulaic is an understanding of God that is more organic. And the particular language that came up out of this conversation um, was gardening. And gardening carries a lot more uncertainty. Mm -hmm. You can mm -hmm. plant things like your hopes, um, but much of the outcome is left up to the elements, the weather and the soil, storms, maybe animals nearby. But with gardening, there's a lot more room for curiosity and wonder and a lot more space for embracing the unknown. Mm -hmm. And the use of organic images like gardening is found throughout scripture. So today we thought that we would use um, the teachings of Jesus and the words of Paul that kind of fall into this area um, as a, a way to get into this conversation, that these parables and metaphors that are used offer a deeper sense of peace, um, even if they're not relying, or maybe because they're not relying, because they're not relying on, on a formula. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. Mm -hmm. But is there an example that came to mind for you that you want to kick us off with? Yes, yeah. So the the first one that I think of is a, is a short one that I have, um, I've, I've definitely spoken on at, at Brownline before. So if you've been around Brownline for a while, you might recognize this is one of my favorite passages. It is, um, Jesus says, unless a grain of wheat goes into the ground and dies, it remains a single grain of wheat. But if it goes into the ground and dies, it will bear much fruit. And that is a passage that I think from a very like, um, I don't know, like 5,000 mile up in the air, bird's eye view, um, maybe somebody hears and just thinks, oh yeah, that's one of those passages where I remember, yes, Jesus died and he's talking about he's going to go die and he's just telling a, uh, you know, like a, he's foreshadowing, right, that he's going to die. Um, but I've always, I've always taken this scripture to be much more like Jesus is describing life. And uh, there's a phrase that really helped me kind of tap into uh, this the scripture, which is that the shape of life, uh, how life usually plays out, is death and resurrection. 
just like Jesus shows us in his life, death, and resurrection. There's, there, that is built into the way life happens. And when I think about that, you think about how, like, you think about how this is how our bodies work, right? Like, when, how do you build muscle? You build muscle by, like, tearing old stuff, and then new stuff grows on top of it. Again, something goes into the ground and dies, and then it bears much fruit. How, how, do, how are, like, solar systems born, right? Like, this is built into, like, like our cosmic understanding of, like, what happens in the universe is, uh, a, 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 like, a, there's, like, an explosion of gas and a new solar system forms. This is built into the way that we understand, like, emotional health as we become more mature, grown-up people in our lives. We experience that we, we, had, we had patterns that we learned as children that helped get us through hard things, and then a lot of what growing up is and differentiating from your parents is learning, hey, this sort of thing that I used to do to protect myself or to make myself feel okay is actually now the thing that's harming me, and I need to leave that behind, and a therapist helps you figure that out. That thing needs to go into the ground and die so that you can bear much fruit. And then, of course, it's built into gardening, because that's like the actual image of like, you, you, if you just have one plant, awesome, you know, you have one grain of wheat, but if you allow it to go into the ground and die, then you can, uh, you can have a whole field, uh, a grain of wheat. It bears much fruit. And so there's this idea of, like, this describes the way life works mm -hmm. in a way that allows for, it doesn't just allow for, but it actually prepares you for disappointment, mm -hmm. failure, regret, all of the things that, like, when you're relying on a formula, when you're relying on, you know, like the, the last self-help book that you read and said, you know, if you do this in a meeting, man, everybody's going to listen to you, you know? Like, it, it, what about when that doesn't work? Mm -hmm. And I think that the thing that has, one of the key things that has drawn me personally to the teachings of Jesus is that Jesus doesn't lie to me. <laughs> Jesus paints life the way it really goes, which is, I am going to feel disappointment, I'm going to feel regret. I'm going to experience failure. Uh, things are going to feel like deaths in my life. And that, I, I, I don't want somebody to tell me that there's a way to avoid those or that there's a magic formula that I can live by and then I never experience those. I want somebody who acknowledges that that's the case, but then offers me hope. And this idea that the shape of life is not just like death after death after death after death or disappointment after disappointment mm -hmm. after disappointment. There is also resurrection built into that, that after death, there comes something that can, that can bear much fruit. Yeah. That, that's a hopeful message, and it requires me to believe in something that I can't necessarily see mm -hmm. or, or make happen myself, but it feels like a hopeful message that isn't like, I don't know, it isn't like a pie in the sky, just like, oh, you know, everything will be fine, don't worry. It's like, no, I, I see that this has been painful for you, or this has been hard for you. Yeah, and I think it helps because the the painfulness or the things that are going to the ground that are dying, they're not a fluke. Yeah. When you have the full scope of this pattern in You didn't mind. do the formula wrong, and that's why, oh, well, you know, if you would have done it right, this wouldn't have happened to you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that it's actually an inevitable part of yeah. life, which I think we would all acknowledge on a logical level, but sometimes in more of an emotional space, it can feel like I'm just not doing something right, and right. that's why all of this is happening. Yep. But to have that full pattern of death and resurrection, that we hold the hope that we can't quite see yet, um, it gives us a little bit more of that sustaining peace to navigate when there, there is the painfulness of things dying. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that one is, is one that I will always go to as 
it's, it is so not the five-step self-help <laughs> book that you read in, you know, modern America. It is a, like, here, let me tell you how life really is, um, but not in a way that, like, is, you know, causing you to become cynical, and rather in a way that is trying to give you hope, but that speaks to the reality of how things go. Yeah. Uh, what about for you? What's, a, what's a, an organic picture from the Bible? Yeah, so the first thing that came to mind um, was, for me, was the image of a vine, which is used in different stories, but um, the one that I'm going to pull from today is found in John 15. I'm going to read a piece of it just because I think it's helpful um, to get some of the language that's used here. Um, so Jesus here is using the imagery of a vine, and he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. I am the vine, you are the branches, those who abide in me, and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into a fire, and burned. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. So this language of things being removed, being cut off, being burned in a fire can sound a little bit... A little intense. A little intense, a little <laughs> violent here. But I think it's important to notice um, what is being removed, and that's whatever isn't bearing fruit. And sometimes it can be tempting to equate that with like, oh, these are the things that are getting in the way of me living a good Christian life, whatever that means. Sure. But what's said here is that what isn't bearing fruit um, is anything that's getting in the way of love, that the fruit is love. Um, so instead of this connotation of God cutting off or tossing in the fire the bad or sinful parts of my life, instead it's pruning away what isn't loving and what is keeping us from joy. So reframing from judgment language to loving language yep. here yep. is really helpful for me. Um, something that this brought to mind was the example of um, people who are great at having house plants. I am not one of them. I kill every plant I have. But I really admire the way that my friends are able to care for their plants, um, patiently removing any parts that might be damaged or have bugs or things like that, turning toward or away from sunlight, mm -hmm. adjusting the temperature, sometimes needing to remove parts Changing that are dead. Or something like yeah, that. repotting, yeah, yeah. all this stuff that I could not tell you how to do, but I'm always thoroughly impressed by. Um, but these things are removed and tended to so that the whole plant can keep growing. Yes. So this image of a patient gardener, God, um, with pruning, little like pruning shears or whatever it may be, things to take care of the plants, um, that that has been a really beautiful image for me. Instead of this God who is just casting things aside and sorting, I think we've talked about this, any reframing that takes us away from this talking about people, like, oh, you are a good branch bearing fruit, and mm. you are not, so mm -hmm. you are cast in the fire and burned. Mm -hmm. No. <laughs> Anything yeah. that takes us away from that space, I think, is just really helpful. Um, but instead, if we look at this as what, way, what um, may we need to let go of or remove for the sake of our own flourishing, and how is God a partner in that work? Yeah, once again, I think anytime we're using 
um, image. It, the reason life is a garden is such a helpful image. Life, you're like a vine or you're like a grain of, uh, of wheat or whatever the image that we're using is because we all understand that built into the life cycle of a vine or something like that is the seasons, right? Like we go through, we go through winter and, and uh, or, or if you're in other climates, you go through a dry season, right? And then you go through the season of life and flourishing and harvest mm-hmm. and, you know, warmer temperatures and, and, and life is blossoming out. And then you go through these other seasons. And when we see that not as um, like uh, we're, we're diversions from where we should be because we should always be this healthy plant that's perfect and, you know, is, is, is always green and, and pointed toward the sun and doesn't need any help. Actually, don't water me, you know, like don't, uh, no, no, I'm perfectly fine in this plant uh, pot. I don't need to be repotted or, or pruned or anything like that. Like those plants don't exist. And so when we, when we, when we use those as our models and we start to think, oh, okay, so what, what if the human like, the human life looks like that, then we see these experiences of when I have been deeply disappointed mm-hmm. or when I am just like riddled with doubt in an experience, right? Like I'm, I, I just, I don't know what to do. I don't feel confident. I, don't, I mean, I feel like the entire world, or at least my entire world feels like we are here right now, right? Mm-hmm. Like in like battling the pandemic, we're again up here with masks, you know, like it's it, it, all of our decision-making around like, what do we do? What is the wise thing for my workplace to do, for me as a person to do, for my family members to do, for those people who live close to me, the people I know are immunocompromised. All of these, like we're like flying by the seat of our pants, trying our best to know what the best, you know, knowledge is and read the latest thing from the CDC. But none of us feel 100% confident about anything, right? And what if, what if our models for like, you know, when we look at ourselves and try to assess how we're doing, if we look at ourselves and we think, I am like a garden, Mm -hmm. then we see all of that, like, all of that, like, craziness. We see all of that that like lack of okayness, lack of certainty, lack of confidence, and we think, oh, that's okay. I can take care of this plant. This plant, there's plenty of healthy things about this plant. Mm-hmm. Look at this plant. It's it, there's there's lots that I can do. Oh yes, well let me let me you know turn the the pot a little bit. You know what? I think it needs a new pot. And we take that curious. You use the mm-hmm. word curious as, as we look at ourselves, and we're not looking at ourselves being like, oh my gosh, what a mess. You know, like let me just. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so rotten, I'm so terrible. Whereas I think if, we, if we're going from formulas, mm-hmm. that is what we're tempted to do because the moment we go off script from a formula, we think, well, why am I doing it wrong? What's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. And I think here too, um, just the fact that everything is held together um, in this particular image, the language of branches being burned is used and turned to ashes. But we know that things can, new things can grow, can up, grow up from yes, yes, ashes yes. and that things are not wasted there. Um, so what we learn from what was toxic or painful or hateful or uncertain yep. or difficult, always changing, that these things are not wasted, that a deeper sense of peace and self-awareness and love can grow up out of that. Yeah, that's really good. That's really yeah. good. It's, it is, I think, probably worth stepping back as we're thinking about these images and uh, reminding ourselves, if we are somebody who has spent much time in church settings, a lot of these sorts of, um, these sorts of images, even, even using these very words that we're reading today, 
have been turned into formulas, mm -hmm. right? Like we we might you know uh, we might read about you know going be being a, a bit of grain that goes into the ground and dies, and it's like so here's the first step uh, in that process, and then here's what you do next, and here's what you do next, and I I think it's just really important that. Um, that we recognize how deeply like ingrained in being an American um, it, it is to be formulaic mm -hmm. and to read um, formulas into the scripture when what, we're, what, what is trying to be communicated to us is exactly the opposite. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's helpful. And is there another example here that you wanna point to? Yeah, I, so one that um, you, you previewed uh, a little bit ago is from uh, the writings of St. Paul in the Bible, and that is uh, this famous um, uh, multiple paragraphs in, um, in I think it's in, is it in Corinthians? Yeah, 1 mm -hmm. Corinthians, um, about the, uh, the church, the community that is trying to follow God being a body. And I wonder if anybody has heard uh, of Paul's famous words about uh, us being a body. For just as the body is one and has many members, the members of the body, though many, want, they are one body with Christ. This is another one that I think if we can really kind of sit in and let affect us and allow us to remember like bodies are organic living things, right? The way that everything is kind of connected and I'm all, you know, uh, worked through. This is, I am not a machine, right? My body is an organic living thing that has grown from cells, right? And if we can, if we can work that image when we try to understand what Paul is telling us, uh, there's these, uh, some of the lines from it are like, you know, can the eye say to the ear, I don't need you? That's one that's, uh, that's, that's very famous. Or uh, another part of it is it says, uh, the members of the body, uh, it, it, he's, he's talking about how the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. He says, on the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are actually indispensable. And those members of the body that we think are less honorable, we clothe with great honor. And he has this kind of like flipping of of, uh, of uh, expectations or flipping of power dynamics. If we were to imagine people out there in the world as members of a body, Paul is really insistent that like if, if, we, if we use that image, the, the people who maybe would be dishonored most of the time, if we see everybody as a part of a body, they actually become more honored. And what I love about this is a formula or a machine or like a transaction would be if you are broken, if there's a part of your, you know, team that's broken, cut them off, right? Get rid of them. That's it. It's like they're, they're, they're dead weight. Get rid of them. Or if you are, if, uh, if, if a member of, uh, of, uh, of your team, if, if we're going formulaic, you know, experience pain, well, that's on them, right? Like that's, that, that's their, you can't take on, you can't take on their story. And we sometimes might, you know, like tell ourselves that, and there are situations where, you know, like we're in various boundaries or relationships where that might be the wise thing to do. But in general, if we're talking about formulas, we're just kind of all these disconnected individual things. Mm -hmm. And what the body imagery says, like if we're all a part of one living thing, it says we like account for each other. We are in, in, in the words from Genesis, our brothers and our sisters keepers. Like we, what, what, what one member of the body experiences, we all experience. I think about what we were talking about last week with the, the words of uh, Howard Thurman who influenced mm -hmm. Dr. King. And Dr. King, when we watched the March on Washington, one of the lesser known, but I think really important uh, 
moments from that speech is he, he acknowledges all of the white people who are in the crowd that day as they have marched to the Capitol and said, we are here to collect a debt that America owns, uh, owes black people in America. And he acknowledges all the white people and he says, you are all finding that your liberation is caught up with our liberation. Mm -hmm. It's all of our liberation together. If one part of the body is hurt, the whole part of the, the whole body is hurt. And I think that that's, that, like, that is what we get from this picture of life as a living thing, as a body, rather than life being just these formulas that we, you know, we, if we put in X, we will get Y mm -hmm. assuredly every time. Yeah. I think um, as you're talking, something that's coming up for me is when we experience pain in our bodies, often it's a sign that we need to slow down and rest and take time to heal and to listen. Um, that you don't just keep, I mean, you can keep going in the midst of pain, clearly, but sometimes that can lead to further injury yes, or yeah. um, longer standing effects of whatever may be going on. And so I think that there's something here of... Paying um, attention to those parts that are might be hurt or something. Yeah, yeah paying attention, yeah. paying closer attention there, and actually slowing down and listening instead of this kind of um, input-output way of approaching things that has a very clear beginning and end that... Mm -hmm. Um, when we start to see things as a body that inevitably experiences decay and pain and things like that, there's space to slow down and to listen mm -hmm. and to respond. Um, yeah, something there about just paying deeper attention. Yes, yeah. Uh, I'm just noting in the chat because I think it, it applies to this idea of, of um, the body being our image or it applies to the gar life being a garden. And, um, and again, going back to your phrase of being curious, being mm -hmm. curious about the things that need to be pruned or being curious about the what's happening when there's a death and then there's resurrection or there's pain in my body. I'm paying attention to that. I'm being curious. Uh, in the chat, it looks like uh, a couple of people have mentioned like um, be, uh, feeling really drawn toward self-criticism or negativity toward yourself and this being very different from that. And I think that's another thing why I I am drawn to the wisdom of Jesus. I'm drawn to the wisdom of Paul, of, uh, of uh, a lot of what we're building th these talks on, because if we're taking them for, like, for, for what, what they bring us in, this, in the text, and we're not putting on top of it our American lenses where we're full of self-criticism and we're very formulaic, what we get is a really different like, energy. Like mm -hmm. There is an energy in... The, the, I don't know, like the, the American, like, I'm going to pull myself up on my bootstraps. I'm going to be the best person I can be. There's an energy in there that's an anxious energy. Mm -hmm. And there's an energy in the pruning of the vine, in the allowing yourself to go through a death so you can be raised, in paying attention to your body that is not anxious. That's not an anxious energy. That's a yeah. curious energy. Yeah. And um, I, do, I, I think that a lot of times, like even when we, if we open up the Bible and read the scriptures that we just read, we automatically feel anxious. And what, what do we do with that? Like, how do we, how do we separate ourselves from that so we can read these maybe with the way that they're intended to be? Yeah. I think it's helpful here that there, when Jesus is teaching these different parables too, that there isn't a set way to interpret them. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. That's that actually the point of a parable. Yes, yeah. he teaches something, and then sometimes there's an explanation. Um, it usually comes because people are like, wait, what? <laughs> Could you revisit that? Um, but sometimes he says something and then just moves on. Yes. And so even the way that we look at these stories and these scriptures, there isn't a formula of yes. how to approach them. Yes. Um, that even as Jesus was teaching and 
Paul was writing, there are words that can be interpreted in a lot of different ways, but instead, when we turn to them, can we find things that feel hopeful and liberating yes. and um, help that curiosity flourish? I, I remember, that's a great comment, because I remember learning at one point about, uh, this is a very um, traditionally Jewish way of teaching, which is that you don't you don't like set up uh, a lesson by saying, here's the problem and here's the solution. A very Jewish way of teaching that Jesus would have been in the tradition of is you uh, set up a scenario and then the way that your hearers respond to that scenario actually dictates what the teaching is or what the wisdom that you get out of it. So it's, it almost, it requires the back and forth. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, like you're saying, a parable can mean one thing in one situation and actually mean a different thing in another mm -hmm. situation. And that's okay. That doesn't mean that it's like, you, it, you can make it say anything. It, yeah. just, it just means that it requires a response. And there's something really beautiful about that. And it is... It, it gets us toward that curious energy, not that anxious energy. Yeah. Um, well, the last example that I want to pull from today is actually one that Jesus uh, comes back to and explains because those who are listening are like, can you just offer a little bit of insight here? Um, but this is one that I've talked about before, and it's the parable of the sower and the seeds. Mm. Um, so the gist of it is a sower goes out and he throws some seeds around. Some fall on a path and the birds came and ate them up. Some fall on rocky ground where they don't have much soil and they spring up quickly and then they have no depth so they can't survive. Um, some fall among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them and other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain. So he comes back and explains these different situations that might um, prohibit the seeds from actually growing and staying rooted that um, when we encounter doubts or persecution or different things like that, when people are tempted by, um, he says, the lure of wealth and power, things like that that get in the way of flourishing. Um, but when we try to have this kind of sunshiny all the time view of faith, good soil can be painted with like, oh, you're just really faithful and you're a strong yeah. Christian and whatever that may mean. It's, it's all about your, like, the effort that you've put in. Look, yeah. look, what, how, um, look at how well you're doing. Yeah, mm. all the outward signs that things are good, um, that good vibes only mentality yeah, that yeah, goes yeah. around mm -hmm. and gets stuck on mugs and things. Um, but instead, I'd invite you to think about what makes soil good. crap, like, <laughs> stuff like fertile, fertile soil has some stuff in it. Yes, yes. And that that's not a fluke. Nope. That's not the formula failing. Nope. That's what actually makes soil good. Yes. And so I think that um, if you've seen some things, if you've experienced some things, you might have a deeper understanding of the liberating love and grace that comes from following Jesus. Mm. Um that trying to sanitize or purify the soil, like things won't grow well there. Mm -hmm. But the good soil is actually, um, it has, has a lot of- It has of, known crap. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And that that's incorporated and seen as a place where things will grow and can grow yes. instead of cast aside. Um, something that a friend said to me recently that's been really helpful with this is that when we talk about abundant life, it just means more of life. That we have this understanding that like, oh, if I want abundant life, that just means a really good life. But when abundant life is more of life, you get the good and the bad, mm -hmm. more mm -hmm. of both things, 
more soil that's got crap in it yep. and more plants that bear fruit. Yep. And this desire for growth and for flourishing actually requires an embrace of just the, the more of life. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. That's really good. I'm, I, so something that's to like peel back all of the, uh, the assumptions we're riding with here are that um, we are accepting uncertainty as like a, something that we would rather have rather than like a pretend existence, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and that's a trade, right? Like uncertainty, um, acceptance of the fact that, you know, the, there is nothing that can take these disappointments, the crap in the soil, whatever it is. There's nothing that can just take those things away or, um, or vanish them, you know? Mm -hmm. um, that is an, you are, we are making a trade there. And I think it's a really worthwhile trade, but I think it's important that we talk about that, right? Yeah. And we talk about how um, the, the way, I think, to a life where spirituality can really resource you, the way to a place where you feel deeply connected with God on a regular basis is not an existence like it, it's not, you know, uh, the way that looks, if soil is our image, is not something sanitized, something mm -hmm. that is uh, perfect and untouched. It's something that gets pruned. It's something that has crap in the soil. It's something that, you know, has a lot of body parts. And if one body's feeling, or if one body part's feeling pain, the whole body's feeling pain. And that is, um, that's, again, just, just say, it is different than I think what a lot of people may have experienced from messages from a, from a church perspective or from a uh, a, a church leader perspective in the past. And I think it's worth us just like being okay with that, like being the, being the case. Yeah. And it's not even that it's particularly comforting <laughs> mm. on its own. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do think that it brings about the possibility of a deeper peace mm -hmm. that um, takes away this idea that God's presence can only be equated with good times and things yes. that feel steady and stable and predictable yes. and certain um, but that actually when we lean into this approach, when things become a garden, um, we are able to see God in the full scope of our experience mm -hmm. and that that is a way deeper message and for me a more hopeful message than this idea of needing to only equate God's presence with good things. Yeah, I go back to that experience I had where it's like, I don't want, I, I'm, I'm, I like Jesus. I'm drawn to Jesus because Jesus doesn't lie to me. <laughs> mm -hmm. Jesus doesn't tell me things that are going to be fine. Jesus, you know, talks about life where, in the way that I've experienced, where I have, I, I have lost people I've loved. I have, I have tried my hardest with something, and then I was disappointed with the outcome, you know. I, I've experienced regret regularly. I'm in this season right now where I have, like, no confidence at all about <laughs> the large decisions that have to be made, and I feel like so many people are in that place. Jesus sees that and, and, and acknowledges that that's going to be a part of my life, so I'm, I'm drawn to that. Um, one, one more, just like, this is, I didn't expect that maybe we would talk about this, but um, can we talk about worship songs for a second? Yeah. Like, uh, with the idea of, like, um, if, if I am entering into a place of prayer and song to try to access some of the peace that God might bring me mm -hmm. in the midst of all this, access some of the life as a garden peace, not mm -hmm. the life as a formula piece, um, that, I mean, like, experiencing peace is a little bit different when life is a garden yeah. than when life is a formula. And I feel like there are, I mean, we've talked about this before, 
there, a lot of worship songs, a lot of hymns maybe that we've grown, you know, may, maybe they have like really like special place in our heart because the melody is important to us or it's tied to an, a, a particular memory. Um, but a lot of the words that we might sing in any old, you know, fill in the blank song mm -hmm. don't necessarily make room for the life as a garden view, do they? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, I mean, you, you talked a little bit about different seasons and things growing yeah. differently. And I, I think for me, I can look back and see like, wow, that song or those lyrics were really helpful for me in that particular, in a particular season. time. Yeah. And it did feel at peaceful and it did feel stabilizing. Yeah. Um, but we do, we grow and we change and we find things in different ways. Yeah. Um, and so it's been a lot more helpful for me lately to have songs that sing about doubt, yes. that sing about um, uncertainty, that... Yeah. I don't know. There's something that for that, uh, that message has felt more peaceful to me now than it, yeah. if I had listened to that same music maybe a few years ago. I'm not sure that would be true. You would have been ready for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just, I, I think about that a lot. And I, and I think because we're, it was, I'm often in conversations with people about the music in, mm -hmm. in, our, in our church. And we, a, a lot of the songs that we might select or the traditions that we might try to draw from are different than like if you if you searched church music, you know, on Spotify or Christian music on Spotify, um, and I think it's because I don't know. Like I, I think I think we were, like worship songs are what gets stuck in your head, you know, and like mm -hmm. the lyrics get stuck in, and you're kind of singing it back to yourself because it's, hopefully it's a good melody, and that is more so than anything that you or I might say here on a Sunday. That's what's going to form what you believe about God, right? It's like that little lyric that gets stuck in your head, and you're reminding yourself over and over and over again because you keep singing it to yourself. And I think if, if that's what's going to happen, we got to get life as a garden thing stuck in people's heads, yeah. not life as a formula stuck yeah. in people's heads, because that is the way Jesus talked to us. And that's what's actually going to, I think, give us peace when the formulas break. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll write that song. We, <laughs> good. But we do. We love there talking are about There are a lot this. of awesome, awesome songwriters. I just, I think they're not as popular. Right? Yeah. 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 And we've got playlists if anyone is yeah, wanting true. to. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I think that's good for today. Yeah. Why don't we pray and, uh, and transition here? So would you all take a moment just to take another deep breath? And I'm going to pray for us. <clears throat> God, this is good. I, I, I acknowledge the... Um, the trade-off of I will take uncertainty and things and not being in control for a God that doesn't lie to me and a God that sees the disappointments and regrets and things that break the mold in my life. I will take that any day. I pray that uh, that, um, that, that trade-off would would mean something to us as we try as we try not to just talk about it or think about it now, but feel it in our hearts, that it would mean something to us deeply, that we have a God that does not lie to us, that we have a God that has room for the crap in our lives, that those are not deviations from what should have been or what we, what we ought to have if we were good people. No, those are the things that make our life what they are, because life is a garden. I pray for any of us who need healing from formulas that were delivered to us 
previously, whether by like just living in like American self-help culture or, uh, or by, by a church um, source? What are the formulas that have like tormented us? They've just, they, oh my gosh, like they, I've been living with this and I don't like it, but I still think I have to live with it. But it just torments me. It just makes me feel like a bad person or it makes me feel like I've, it just, it just makes me feel like a bad person. We, we ask for your healing, God, from those formulas that have hurt us. I pray for an experience today internally for any of us that feel that way, that it would, it, like, such an experience right now in this moment that we truly feel, like, changed. We, we feel like, oh my gosh, somebody just, like, put a, a, a balm on this wound that has been gaping and open for so long, and I feel different now as a result of that. And then I do pray for the things that get stuck in each of our minds, the lyrics from a song or the, or the, the, a, a piece of Scripture from the Bible or just something that someone said or something we saw on Instagram or whatever it is. I pray that those things that would get stuck in our minds would be life as a garden messages because those are the things that are going to actually set us up for for, for a life that, that doesn't have the rug pulled out from under us? And for a life that has hope, even when disappointments come, that we can believe that resurrection follows death and death is not the end of the story. We thank you, Jesus, for your words in this regard. Pray for more of that and more of any of the words that might draw us toward that same thing. In your name. Amen.